Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from Pastor Nathan Lang. Turn your Bibles tonight to Ecclesiastes, if you would. Ecclesiastes, and uh, we'll get into the message tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, I believe we're going to start in chapter number 2. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2 tonight. Let me ask you a question. If, if you could spend one hour uninterrupted with anybody, living or passed away, from any time in history, who would it be? Who would it be? Any thoughts? You can speak out loud. If you could spend time with anybody. I often heard, I've often heard my mom say, I would give anything for just one more hour with my mom. And uh, she lost her mom when she was 13 years old. And she said, I'd give anything just for one hour with my mom. And uh, if, you could, if you could spend time with anybody, is anybody, any thoughts in here? I'm just curious. Yeah, Mrs. Mohat? Okay. I said one person. No. <laughs> no. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. Anyone else? Who would, you, who, would you, who would you spend that time with? Yes, Savannah? Your grandpa? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes, George? Your dad? Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, Dan? Your brother? Yeah, lost his brother. Anyone else? You could spend time with anybody for one hour. All right. I, I would pick my grandpa. I would pick my grandpa, and uh, I miss him. I, I still have both my parents, so I, I don't have that to uh, long for yet, but uh, uh, I would definitely, and uh, I would definitely pick my, my grandpa. But, um, you know, I've heard people through the years say, I'd give anything just to spend uh, time with that one person for whatever sentimental reasons for, uh, you know, you miss them. You, you'd like to, you know, get some, uh, uh, some advice from them. You know, maybe, maybe they had the, uh, you know, a secret deposit box somewhere you didn't know where it was. And you, you know, you want to find out where that was. I don't know, uh, but we have all different reasons. And, um, and so we have different reasons, you know, of who, why we want to talk to different people. But as I think of Ecclesiastes, I think about uh, a book that was uh, written from a father to a son who was uh, being one of the smartest men to ever walk this earth besides Jesus Christ. And uh, when you think about wanting to be able to talk to someone for more wisdom, and as years go on, I pray that we get wiser. I pray that as the years go on, uh, that we don't go backwards in, in knowledge and wisdom. I pray that we, we do learn from our mistakes. We learn from all the, all the, the issues of life. And, uh, you know, what would it be like to be able to go back and talk to George Washington or some of these uh, King David and... Uh, you know, some of the different people, you wonder, you know, why did you do what you did, you know, uh, and uh, those sort of things, you know, we could ask them how they raised their families or uh, some do's and don'ts for life, and, uh, you know, I remember when I was in Bible college, any preacher, and they had a lot of preachers coming through when I worked at camp, I mean, some of the, the premier, if I could say, you know, preachers of our country came through there, and I got to, you know, sit at the feet of all of them, and I would usually go up to everyone that I could and say, if there's any advice you could give me as a young preacher boy, uh, what what advice could you give me? What warnings could you give me? What did, well, hey, what, what are some do's and don'ts? And I would literally do that. And, uh, and I would got to spend that time with them. And uh, I wanted to learn from them. I thought, wow, they've got something, uh, you know, that, that old saying, every man knows something I don't, therefore every man is my teacher. 
Uh, and so uh, whether they're the smartest person or not, you can learn something from them. I've learned a lot from people on what not to do. And can I say that you're very wise to take note of those mental notes of those things, of things that people have, have uh, kind of you know, gone south in uh, to say, well, I know a, a great example of what not to do in that particular area. And, uh, but you know, what if I were to tell you that there was someone who wants to give you some spiritual insight into your life, into your family, and someone who has been where you are, and they've experienced heartache and heartbreak, and they've experienced victories. And uh, if I were to tell you that, you'd say, I, I would like to talk to that person. Well, uh, we see that in the book of Ecclesiastes. We see the example in here uh, of, of Solomon, and we see the example in here uh, of how we can live and the knowledge, uh, taking the, the, one of the wealthiest men and one of the, uh, one of the, certainly one of the wisest men uh, to ever live, to be able to write down and say, all right, now, after scanning the whole earth, this is what I've come to realize. If you could sit at the smartest man's feet and have them school you, well, I tell you what, you would be foolish not to do that. Well, that's exactly what the book of Ecclesiastes is. Even though it's written, once again, from the viewpoint to a son, uh, it still applies to us. And uh, I can't have personal time with Solomon one-on-one, -on -one, uh, but what we can do is read what he says in the Word of God. Someone said this, it takes a wise man to learn from mistakes, from his mistakes, but it takes an even wiser man to learn from the mistakes of others. Let's look in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and let's begin at verse number 1. The Bible says, I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? <coughs> I sought in mine heart to give myself uh, unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was the, that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their, of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them uh, of all kinds of fruit, all kinds of fruit. Solomon is saying, I tried to find out the true meaning of life, I tried to figure out the purpose of why God put me here and what really makes me happy. And then let's look in uh, verse number six, reading on. I made me pools of water to water uh, therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and uh, had servants born in my house. Also, I had great uh, possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from my any joy for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Solomon said, I tried it all. I got Every luxury, music, pleasure, anything I wanted, literally I got. And he's going through and he's talking about all this. And, and you could imagine, I think about applying this to modern day as I talk to my children and as I try to share with them some wisdom uh, at just 34 years old of what I know. And I'm not saying I know a whole lot, but I try to share with them some of that wisdom. And, uh, and sometimes I think it processes, but sometimes they're like, Dad, you know what you're talking about. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I just think, oh, but no, I do. 
I've seen where you are. I've been where you are. Uh, and I've got some good advice for you. You know, that's why I love, and excuse me here, I say this respectfully, that's why I love to sit down with the gray hairs in our church, the amazing grays, those who have been around the block, uh, uh, you know, a time or two and uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I love spending time with them. Why? Because they've been places I haven't been and they've experienced things I haven't experienced. Uh, and I want to learn some things from them, some things of life. Can I say that I believe that is a big part of what our country is missing? I think that's a big part uh, that our country lacks in today uh, is the younger generation going to the older generation. The Bible, does it not say that the younger women are supposed to go to the, uh, the, the older women for uh, advice for marital counseling and, and those sort of things uh, to help that young lady know. Uh, you know, I think about uh, Ashley who uh, had her, her uh, not her baby shower, her, 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 her wedding shower. And, uh, you know, it'd be very wise for Ashley to listen to ladies who've been married for decades in advice, and can I say it'd be very good for her to listen to some uh, to some uh, uh, to some ladies who have uh, have been married that long and just stuck with it through better or for worse, through thick and thin. Uh, because you know there are going to be some hard times. Uh, every marriage that I perform, every marriage I perform, I sit down and I talk with them and I say, you know, there's going to be some times where she's going to be the the weaker link and uh, she's going to be the weaker person and she's going to need you to be strong. And I say, but there's also going to be times where he's going to be weak. There's going to be times where he needs you to be the stronger person. And, uh, and you work that thing out, but there's wisdom in that. And we need wisdom. The Bible tells us that we should seek after wisdom. And uh, Solomon had tried it all. Solomon had been there, done that, uh, had the bumper sticker, had the ticket stubs. Uh, he had experienced life, and he saw exactly what it has to offer. And can I say, uh, that's another reason why I struggle when I see young people trying to experience the world when they really don't know what they're talking about. When they try to say, oh, I don't really need to be married. That's just an old custom. No, you don't understand. There's more to it than just getting a marriage license. Hey, there's a commitment there to each other. There is a covenant that you're going into between you, uh, you him, and, and, and God. There's more to it. Uh, and, and I don't have anything for somebody who won't commit to a girl or commit to a man. Hey, you need to have that commitment there. Uh, it's important. So what did Solomon teach us? Well, he taught us, don't ever get yourself into a position where you end up with a thousand mother-in-laws. That's one thing he taught us. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> what did he say? He said, all is vanity. Hey, we need to determine who we're doing this thing for. Hey, if you want to write that as your point number one, that'd be just great. Who am I doing this for? Uh, living for ourselves is an empty existence. Just read all of the personal pronouns. Solomon lived it for himself. Notice he didn't mention or serve the Lord in that passage. He doesn't say, uh, I, I led people to Christ. He doesn't say that I went to the temple. He doesn't say all these things. He said, whatever my flesh wanted, that's what I went after. And you're going to see here in just a little bit that he says that all of that was vanity. Let's go ahead and look at it uh, in... Uh, Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun. Vanity, that word vanity means empty. That means empty. He says, I look out across the landscape. Everything that he accomplished uh, was for self. He had an eye problem. It was focused on what he wanted and his timing. And, uh, you know, let me say, try to, try to spend a day without saying I or me. It's amazing how much we talk about ourselves sometimes, isn't it? 
Uh, we spend so much time focusing on what I want, what I need, my desires. And, I, and I'm afraid that sometimes our prayer life uh, can resort to that, where it's all about me and what I want, rather than what Jesus example, laid out an example for us. Nevertheless, my will, but thy will be done. You go to God and do you, do you, do you ever just say, hey, Lord, uh, this is what I'm thinking, but I want what you want. Lord, ultimately, I want what you want in this situation. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 25, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, save his life or living for self uh, shall lose it. The smartest man to ever walk this planet outside of the Lord tells us that living for self is an empty existence. Can I say that we need to have a purpose? If you don't have a purpose of what you're doing and why you're doing it, you will live for self and you will flounder. Young people, middle-aged people, amazing grades, doesn't matter how old you are in here, if you don't have a purpose behind what you're doing, uh, we need to have a purpose in Lighthouse Baptist Church and our main purpose is to tell others about Jesus Christ. That's the main purpose but that's not the only purpose. Hey, we are to exhort one another. There's a whole lot of things in there that we're to do. So we can't get that off balance. We can't just only tell people about Christ. We can't just always exhort. We can't always rebuke. There has to be a balance to this whole thing. And so uh, it's easy to focus on us. And that's what I'm just trying to say. Uh, What Solomon was, uh, what he's laying out in this text here in Ecclesiastes is that we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and we've got to get them on the true meaning of life. And what is the true meaning of life? I'm glad you asked. Pay attention and you'll see. Look at chapter number three, Ecclesiastes chapter number three. Verse number one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which was planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You know, the second thing I think Solomon would tell us is to enjoy the seasons of life. Now, now church, I preached on the seasons uh, probably about six months ago or so, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this point, but, but here's the thing. Whatever you're facing in here today is a season, is a season. You know, what we tend to do, and this is really, this is, this is uh, counseling from the pulpit here tonight. Uh, uh, what we tend to do is we get so wrapped up on our projects that we got going on at home, We get so wrapped up in the busyness of our businesses and our work and our labor. We get so wrapped up in the children because there are times when the children aren't, they get that age where they don't seem like they want to do what you're telling them to do. And that's why we got to have that relationship built with them early on if possible and carry that on. And there's no guarantee they're going to do what you say. But the reality is uh, there's seasons. And you know, whatever you're going through, mark it down, it's a season. You You cannot lose your life worrying. There's some people, I tell you what, that's, they live to worry. They just do. I mean, they go to the worrying aspect of things. Can I just encourage in here today uh, that yes, some bad things will come up. 
He said, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. You know, I realize uh, I'm going this coming Thursday to the doctor. And so pray for me on Thursday. I'll be traveling up to Chicago. And uh, it's an all-day event. I go up there. They test me. And they, what I like about it is they give me my results back that day. Uh, and so I'm able to see it. I don't have to wait to go to a lab or something. Uh, and I'm able to see that day what's going on, where my numbers are. And uh, uh, the reality is uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not stressed out about Thursday. I'm really not. Uh, because I know that God's in control of this thing. And I know he, 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 he's taking care of it. You know, uh, the reality is there is going to be a time when Nathan Lang is going to be lowered into the ground if Christ doesn't come back first. It, there's going to be a day, Lord willing, long from now. But you know what? That's going to happen someday. So uh, I'm not fearing. I don't fear death. You say, Do you, I don't. I don't fear death. I've got eternal life. I'm never going to die. Hey, we've got to have right perspective in this thing and what we're doing, church. Hey, remember, what are you doing and what are you doing it for? You go to work every day and sometimes, some of you in here, I won't ask for a show of hands, but some of you don't like your job. You hate it. You say, oh, I'd rather do anything else. But you know what? There's a bigger picture. Put your hands down. <laughs> I see people raising their hands. Hey, there's, there's a bigger picture to it. There is. There's a bigger picture to life. I had a pastor. I was, at a, I was at a conference, and some of the pastors were talking about how they quit every Monday. And I said, you know, I've heard of that before. I said, but you know, I'm not that. I don't quit every Monday. People say, preacher, it must be horrible. You quit every Monday. No, I quit Sunday night. No, 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 no. Here, here's the thing. I love what I do. I love what I do. And, and it's not always, uh, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's, it's not always that. But I love what I do. I don't quit every Monday. Are you kidding me? I would get out of pre pastoring if I didn't love what I do. But you know what? There are some days where it's not as lovable. Just like your job. I'm not complaining. I'm saying just like your job. Hey, that doesn't mean you quit. You know why? Because there's a bigger picture. You know what? I may have a bad day in pastoring, but the reality is there's a bigger picture of what we're doing here for Jesus Christ that sustains me. Can I say this, that job you don't like? Hey, praise God that it's paying the bills if it's doing that. Hey, it's providing food for your family. Hey, be thankful for that. Have the right spirit about it is what I'm trying to say, because uh, it could be worse. You know, uh, our economy right now is not as bad as people make it out to be. I'm pretty convinced that if you wanted a job, you can go out here and find something to feed your family right now. You could, you could. You know, God, I believe God wants us to enjoy the seasons of life. He, he doesn't want us to hate work. He doesn't want us to hate life. Hey, what, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, hey, um, perk up, buttercup. <laughs> it could be worse. You know, if, there, if there's one thing that I think Satan loves to do, he loves to get into the back of our ear, and he loves to show us how bad we have it. Can I remind you, you've got eternal life in here if you're a born-again child of God. Hey, that alone should be all you need to pump you up and get you going. Yes, you get that flat tire. Yes, you have that car trouble. Hey, we all get it. We all deal with it. But hey, you know what? That's, that's, what am I trying to say? I'm not trying to be super spiritual on you here tonight. What I'm trying to say is life happens. It does. And I don't say that arrogantly. Life happens. Can I say, we've got to learn to realize that it's a season. It's going to be okay. And Solomon realizes that. And as he's trying to tell his son, as he's trying to lay this out in this text, he's saying, hey, there is a time for everything uh, under the heaven in here in the word of God. We see that. And so let's keep on going. Let's not quit on God. Let's not quit on our families. Let's not quit on our jobs. Let's not quit on everything we know to do because we're having a bad day. Or maybe it's a bad year for you. But you know, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, I, have an, I, 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 love, I love this verse. I love this verse. He hath made everything 
beautiful in his time. Can I say that God knows what season you're in? I just determined long ago that I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to enjoy it. Okay, so the stock fell. Was it yesterday, day before, or Friday? I think the stock was low. And Okay, so you lost some stocks. It'll be okay. They're stocks. It's money. It's tangible. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. It'll go back up next week. It'll be fine. Trump's president. It'll be fine. Are you awake? <laughs> I saw, let me take a side, pull off the side of the road here. Uh, Facebook ad popped up. It's got a socks of Trump, and it's got this tuffet of hair. Anybody seen that? It's got this tuffet of hair. And they're $15, and I thought, I might have to get me a pair of those. And uh, uh, I'm not necessarily a shorts wear, but wear shorts on that with my Trump socks. And uh, we have to, uh, yeah, I'll start a fight there. <coughs> What's, what season are you in right now? Don't, don't answer audibly here, but what season are you in right now? Season of a tough time? Season of a good time? Bad? Good? Whatever it is, it's a season. It's not going to last forever. Oh, but you don't know my situation, preacher. Hey, it, it's, it's going to get better. Some of you are in that position. You say, well, it certainly couldn't get any worse. Well, okay, well, you're at least seeing some light there. Maybe you're going through a struggling season. Physical struggling. Spiritual struggling. Financial struggling. Family struggling. And we try to push those away and God is saying, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to teach you something here. You know, I, I think our, our first response when we're going through a hard time is to pray it away. Is to pray it away. And can I say that with friction, hey, some things happen with friction. Hey, some things happen when you're going through a struggling time. When you're going through that time, you don't know Why? Hey, why is God allowing this? That's not a time to turn your back on Him. It's a time to draw closer to Him. <clears throat> but I said, I believe Solomon would tell us to enjoy the seasons of life, but also, thirdly, life is made by our work, not our worth. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Whether you eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Can I say, don't measure life by your valuables. <clears throat> don't measure life by your valuables. Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves to turn it off and focus, turn the work off and focus on the things that are important. Now, work is important, don't get me wrong, uh, but I'm saying with that family time, you know, as I look through my kids, my, my, young, my oldest boy is getting ready to go into sixth grade. Wow, wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, he's, he's, they're, they're all dreading, Dad, school starts on Tuesday. You don't want to go. You know. uh, hey, it's okay. You need it. You need the structure. You need, you know, we, we miss it. And, uh, uh, so uh, mom and dad miss it. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, hey, th those are good. You know, there's seasons. There's seasons. They had a season of summertime. But you know what? Uh, fall's coming. Fall's coming. My wife and I like nice things that we buy. Most of our stuff we buy on clearance or off Craigslist. But can I say that we've decided in our household we're not going to make thing, life about things. I don't fill, look at me now. I don't fill my house with, a, I can't afford to fill it with expensive stuff. But you know what? If one of my kids breaks something, we, we deal with it. You know how a parent should deal with it. But at the end of the day, it's just a plate. It's, it's just a knickknack. <laughs> it's just a table. It's just a television. It's just a couch. It'll be, hey, you got that chair? It's just a couch. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. 
Hey, we, we, we're not showcasing here. We, hey, it's okay. It's okay. At my house, but don't you dare spill anything on my carpet in this church. Can I say, find where God wants you, put your hand to the plow, and don't look back. It's when we get our eyes off of Jesus Christ that we start looking around and seeing what everyone else has that we don't. We should be to this point. Hey, it's not going to matter if, if you're driving a car that's $40,000 worth more than, than what you're driving right now. It's not going to matter when you get to heaven. It's, it, that, that's not going to be the emphasis when you get there. Praise the Lord if you can drive a $60,000 car. But hey, that's not the emphasis on life. Hey, what are you doing it for? What are you grinding for at work? What are you doing it for? Are you doing it to provide for your family? Or are you doing it so that you can get the extra toys? Why are you working all that overtime? Is it because the company needs it? Because your family needs it? Or is it because you just want to have more toys? Hey, why are you doing what you do? I want you to see number four. I believe he lays out this principle in chapter number five. Number four, live to give. Look at verse number 13. Ecclesiastes 5.13. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owner's thereof to their hurt. But those riches perished by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. Do you see a common theme for Solomon? Life is about Christ and others. Life is about Christ and others. Can I say that we've got to remind ourselves that day that we've got to die to self? That this life is not about me and what I can get. You know what we are? We're naturally selfish people. We are. Sin has us geared that way. We want what we want, and we naturally, we, the natural man thinks of self. We want to provide for us. We want to take care of me, I. But can I say it's that dying of self that we realize that we need to put others first? And, and, and I believe it's a wonderful method. I believe, first of all, it's scriptural to put Christ first, put others first, to put them in the proper place in your lives. Uh, but I believe it helps us because when we're focusing on other people, we're not looking at all the problems that we have. We're not looking at all the woe is me's. We're not looking at all the I deserve better. We're not looking at all that stuff. When we look around and see the people who genuinely have hurt. When I go to, uh, we, were, we, were, um, we were traveling, uh, when we went to this conference a few weeks ago, uh, thankful that it was, it was a free, free conference for us. We got to go and, and praise the Lord for that, for pastors. And uh, we, were, we went through uh, Philadelphia. We went through uh, some of those places and, uh, and we saw some little pockets with some homeless people. And when I see homeless people, I automatically I'm drawn to them. I'm drawn to them. And I, uh, and, I told, and I tell my kids, hey, look at this. When you complain because your burger wasn't cooked right, these people don't have any burger. <laughs> hey, let, let's keep it in perspective. Let's keep it in perspective. <clears throat> Can I say that, you know, I was thinking of that. If you, if you were to go up to Detroit, Michigan now, you would literally see city blocks completely empty, vacant houses. Blocks of houses empty. And, and I thought, man, why can't they get some kind of a program to get some of these people who are underprivileged into these houses and charge them $100 a month and let them revitalize those places. It's places like that all over our country. You ever think of that? When I say live to give, I think, I think it's important. I think of, of, of Dave Ramsey. I try to listen to him a few times a week. And he's big on saving up so you can live like nobody else. Later you can live like nobody else. But he's big on taking some of what God's given you and help others with. Can I tell you, uh, it'd be a, it, uh, considered an almsgiving. It, it, it's an encouragement to you. You know, there's somebody in our church who's taught me that. And uh, they, every, every month at least, 
they find somebody to be a blessing to specifically. It's not the same person every, every, every month or every week, whatever they decide to do. But they find somebody else. Lord, lay on my heart who you want me to be a blessing to. Now, sometimes that's financially. Sometimes that's other ways. Hey, can I encourage you to be look on the lookout for somebody at your workplace? Somebody, uh, you know, wherever, uh, to say, hey, Lord, lay somebody on my heart and love that person through me. Let me be a blessing to, hey, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, hey, let's focus on others. Let, let's take that one, you know, that one, you know, $50 that we were going to spend on this. Hey, and let's use it to be invest in somebody. Take somebody out to lunch and invest in them and spend time with them. Uh, help somebody out. <clears throat> let's see number five. Don't ever forget it all comes from God anyways. I believe Solomon's trying to teach you, don't forget uh, look in chapter 6 as we're, as we're making our way through here, through Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Let's look in verse number 2. Don't forget where it comes from, comes from God. A man to whom, verse number 2, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he has desireth. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and is an evil disease. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Most people say of God, God will give me 20 more years. It's not about living a certain age. It's about you, <laughs> what you do with what time God's given you. You know, we could, oh, if God just gives me 20 more years and I'll serve him with that 20 years. No, what are you doing for God right now? It's the same thing. Oh, I'll get on a diet tomorrow. No, 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 no. Start it now. There, there, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> there's not always tomorrow is reality. You say, I want to serve, I want to serve God, you know, and, and, and I want to give him my all. But I, as soon as I get my act together, I'll do it. No, right now. What's stopping you from doing it right now? Get the act together right now. There's that song, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do his will. Oh, can I tell you, it just seems like life, just before you know it, you blink and it's gone. You know what he says, number six? He says, fleshly appetites are never filled. Can I say that our, our flesh, our flesh desires, always desires more. It's just like if you get, uh, you realize that in, in, in sugar, there's the same, the same thing that triggers your mind in sugar is the same thing in, uh, in, in heroin, is the, is the same part of your brain that it triggers for that person. You say, why can't they just get off of that heroin? Why do, they, why do they have to keep entertaining that? Well, why can't you get off of those Oreo cookies? No, I'm not trying to be funny. You know why? Because the same thing that triggers their mind for more is the same thing that triggers your mind for more. You know, my natural, my natural flesh, when I sit down, if you open up a pack of Oreos, which it seems like they keep shrinking them, there's three rows. My natural flesh, I'm not satisfied until I've cleared one whole row. Now, I haven't done that in over six months because of, you know why. I'm not bragging on that, but I'm trying to give you the illustration of what our flesh, our flesh always wants more. It's not enough. The person who's addicted to things they shouldn't be on the internet, <clears throat> they always want more and they keep filtering and funneling through there to find more and more because the Bible tells us, hey, our flesh is never satisfied. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 6, 7, all the labor of man is for his mouth and yet the appetite is not filled. 
Ecclesiastes 5.10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. If I could just uh, have this car, or this house, or these clothes, this computer, this tablet, this phone, uh, it's more than just food. Our flesh always wants more. You have that one thing as a kid you wanted it for Christmas, and as soon as you got it, you found something else that you wanted. That's why I'm thankful that we don't have we, have, we have a TV in our house, but we don't have all the channels. When I was a kid, there was always commercials, and boy, I tell you what, every time you saw that commercial, you wanted whatever was on that commercial, because they made it look way cooler than it really was. <clears throat> you kids are deprived nowadays. When I was a kid, they always had toys in the cereal boxes, and you kids don't get that anymore. I know, because I've looked. Anyway. It's amazing. I don't, I don't follow all this stuff, but uh, I, I, get on, I, I do get on Facebook occasionally, and, I, and I'm, I'm serious. I'm not on there to stalk, stalk, you know, follow people. Uh, I'm not. Uh, probably 80% of the people I follow are hidden because I don't want to see the drama. And, uh, but I'm on there because of different friends and people I keep in contact with. I use it as a tool is what I try to do. I try to post positive things, and I'd encourage you to do that, not a bunch of trash, you know, complaining all the time. Uh, post positive things, uh, but, but, but it's, it's key to do that. But I'll see one of the things that seems to pop up every once in a while uh, is, is the movie stars and all these Holly, this Hollywood crowd who are selling their houses. Michael Jordan selling his house in Chicago. This person selling their house here. Uh, why? Because at one point, they had to have that house. They had to have that $20 million house. But you know what? After all their fame is gone, after all, everything, all the, all the crowds no longer cheering their name, what do they have? Just a giant mansion that's empty. I heard the, um, I, I, don't, I don't approve of his life, but um, Mike Tyson gives, I, I watched a documentary on Mike Tyson I mean, if you know Mike Tyson, and uh, <clears throat> he, uh, <clears throat> he was talking about how everybody wanted to be his friend when he had millions of dollars. They, he had, I mean, his first fight, he got like $200 million or something. Or, uh, it was unreal. It might have been more than that. It was crazy. He got all these houses and all this stuff, and as soon as he was broke, nobody wanted a thing to do with him. He was done. He was done. I said, fleshly appetites are never fulfilled. The richest man in the world <clears throat> was asked one time, this was, this was a couple decades ago, they said, well, if you could have anything else, what would you want? He said, just one more dollar. Just one more dollar. That's it. Just one more dollar. Can I say we need to learn contentment? Paul said, I've learned, I've learned, underscore learned, that whatsoever state I am, therewith, be content. Can I say that it's something that we need to learn to be content? I'm okay. I'm okay with where, where I am. <clears throat> I was in the car with one of my boys the other day in my little 2007 Saturn Ion with 182,000 miles. He said, Dad, when are you getting a new car? I said, why? He's like, well, it's, it's getting old, isn't it? It's got a lot of miles. I said, it still runs, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I said, well, why would I go spend money on something I don't need? It runs. Amen. Contentment. Philippians 4.11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Solomon says, I've been through so much and I'm smarter than you are. Just listen. Just listen. The reality is Solomon was smarter than we are in so many ways, but in some of the ways he wasn't. 
Then he says, fear God and keep his commandments. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The smartest man in the world saying, let me sum everything up I know. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God. Can I say that what, what comes with the fear of God? You know what comes with the fear of God? A healthy, a healthy fear of God keeps us in our place. It keeps us worshiping him. It keeps us serving him. It keeps us on the, right, on, on the firing line. It keeps us faithful. It keeps us uh, with our character and our integrity in the place where I talked about this morning in the right line. When we fear God, health, healthy fear, and we keep his commandments, it keeps us right where we need to be. But you know what happens is we allow Satan, we allow the world to get us off track and convince us, ah, what are you doing? What's, why would you go to Sunday night church? What's, what's the big deal? Uh, oh, it's no big deal, but why would you not want to go? That's my question. Why would you not want to go? Because I don't have to. Because why? Because you'd rather go home and watch television and watch a bunch of garbage you don't really need to be watching anyway. That's what you'd rather do. I'm not saying that you're right with God because you go to a Sunday night church and this church does. That, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is uh, the problem is not in whether or not you go to a night service. The problem is whether or not you want to spend time with God or not. Once again, I'm not saying you're more right with God because you came tonight. What I'm saying is, why would you not want to? That's where the problem starts to sink in. Because you're going to find a domino effect. When you start giving up Sunday night church, you're going to start giving up Sunday school if you go. You're going to start giving up so many things. Because it's a domino effect of, I don't have to do this. Or, why am I doing this in the first place? That's why I determine, we've got to determine what we're doing and why we're doing it. Who are we doing it for? Hey, I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to be around God's people. It's more than just coming in here. Some of you came in here and you don't like people, and that's okay. That's okay. But you're commanded in Scripture to love your brethren. That doesn't mean you've got to go up there and spend 20 hours with them. Hey, but hey, I'm saying part of the reason you're here is not just to hear the Word of God. Part of the reason is here is that. Part of the reason is to hear the, the, the singing and singing praises to Him and singing songs and hymns together uh, to each other. Scripture says that in the Psalms. Uh, but we're also here to fellowship one with another. Bear ye one another's burdens. Hey, get in there. Find out what somebody else is going through. Pray with them. Encourage them. Text them through the week. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hope you're okay. I think of uh, Mrs. Martin. She had surgery just uh, on Friday and uh, came through it okay. Went great. I've been, he and I text back and forth. Hey, how are things going? Is she doing okay? He said, yeah, she's in some pain, but doing okay. Hey, follow up. When you hear a prayer request in your Sunday school class, use that as an opportunity to be praying for that person. Be praying for that person. Hey, why do you do what you do? Why are you serving in that ministry? It's a good question, isn't it? Because if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you're either going to eventually quit or you're going to spiritually implode. Hey, stay busy. Stay active. Not just for the sake of busyness, but stay active in the Lord's work. We don't need more people retreating. I, I just read earlier this, this, I just read this afternoon that there's over 1,500 pastors a month that quit. A month. 1,500 pastors over that a month that quit. I'm not saying that they retired or, or that, you know, they resigned. I mean, they just quit. All the, I'm just done. I'm done. 
And I thought, wow, that's absolutely amazing. I wonder how many Christians quit every month. If 1,500 pastors a month quit, how many Christians quit? <clears throat> Can I say that there is a true purpose of what we're doing at Lighthouse Baptist Church? Pointing others to Christ. We've got to stay busy. So winners, stay busy. We could use some more help on Saturdays. Stay with it on Saturdays. Keep, hey, those of you who can't physically go out, hey, you can be praying for those of us who do. We leave here about 10.30, between 10.30 and 11. We're out of here, and we're out knocking doors. We're out trying to reach our city for Christ. Hey, if you can't make it, spend time during that time praying for those of us who are going out. I believe prayer makes a difference. I believe it truly does. We can spend all of our time on things that don't matter. Let's focus on what does matter. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.